Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copybusta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm the host of it, Jeff. I am recording this from way back in the past in June, and you're hearing it in October, I believe. Maybe November at this point. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but we're recording in a very warm room, and I'm doing another all the guests in the same room with me episode, and we're going to talk about the uh, free-to-play that seems like a weird way to put it, but it is literally true. Um, it's not freemium, which is usually what free-to-play indicates, but it is a free-to-play video game called Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, this is a visual novel made by... Um, do you remember the name of the company? Dan Sabato or something? Yeah, I don't know the company, but I know that it was by a guy who got popular for making Super Smash Brothers mods. Oh, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, that is my first uh, guest. Please welcome back to the show, Chris Lubinello. Hi. And also in the studio, weird to say, is <laughs> repeat guest Leah Patterson. Yes, hello, it's me. And um, I guess let's summarize the events of the game first, um, and then we'll get into our interpretations and probably also interrupt each other. Um, so, the beginning of the game, it seems to be a normal uh, dating simulation style visual novel game where you are a faceless student in a school that you get to name and your childhood best friend walks to school with you and then uh, gets, uh, gets you to come to her uh, new after-school club and it's one of those... Um, the setting is like maybe Japan, maybe they've localized it to be generic America. Eat your hamburgers, Apollo. Yeah, exactly. It's very like it's intentionally riffing on the fact that um, school animes um, frequently localize such that they are not taking place in Japan anymore because Japanese school is different enough to American school that uh, localizers are like, let's not bother. Um, <laughs> But then they still will have an episode where they have a sports festival, which is something we don't have in American schools. Well, um, we just don't call it that. Yeah, I what guess. We call it a pep rally. Is that what a sports festival is? No, the sports festival, as far as I can tell from anime, seems to be when everybody in the school participates in outdoor sports events. So field day. Yeah, but like organized sports, like your classes are, your class is a team and you go and compete against the other classes to win that's, glory. That's what field day is, Jeff. When you're not in elementary school, you and your class fight other classes to the death. Oh, See, I okay. thought you just threw water balloons at each other no, and that's gave element. the teachers Maybe a big it was headache. just my You went to school. Hunger Games Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't... I had field day in middle school, and it was just like basically a carnival out on the gym field, um, like dunk tanks and water balloons. I know, and stuff. my yeah, school same. had like this stick with this like creepy head carved out of wood on top of it. I'm not even kidding. Jesus. And then all of the homerooms would fight each other in all these different sports, and then you would get to... Your homeroom teacher would get it the next year, so you wouldn't even get to look at 
at it every day. It was yeah. like you were winning for your teacher. Okay, we're changing the premise of this episode to be about Leah's high school experience. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't high school. Story. It was middle school. That was a public high school. school. Was probably scarier because, <laughs> <laughs> like, your high school has a very spooky name. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Interlocking. Yeah, it makes it sound like it's like trapped between bodies of water. It is trapped between bodies of That's water. That's spooky. <laughs> It's like a very lemony snicket name for a school. No, the spookier part of the school is that we only used like a fourth of the campus, so the other three fourths were just empty cabins all year that we weren't allowed to go in. Okay, see, you're not defeating my point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, um, you go to the literature club. There's not very many choices in this first section of the game, which takes, what, like an hour? Uh, whatever it is, it's too long. Yeah, it's yeah. too long. Uh, it's sort of, well, when you first boot up the game, there's like five screens of warnings. Like, this game contains graphic violence, this game contains um, depictions of mental illness, if you uh, like are easily upset by either of these things, maybe don't play. But like, if you're still unsure, here's a list to the specific um, potentially troubling elements in the story. You can click it, and it's on our website. And after that, it goes to like the bright, happy title screen and does not break uh, kayfabe until like a certain point through the story. You start to get a couple hints that something's weird, but there's nothing like explicitly strange. Um, so you go to the literature club meeting and you meet all the characters, the Tsundere character, um, Natsuki, who um, is very mean to you, but obviously she's um, she likes you because she gets embarrassed when you're nice to her. Um, uh, what's the the tall one? Uh, I actually was going to pull the goth one. Them, yeah. really sorry. There's the goth one who writes really sad poetry. The one with the glasses and the really big boobs that she talks about like every chance I don't she think gets. she has glasses. Yeah, does she, she not does have not. glasses? You're, no. Oh, you're I'm projecting. <laughs> projecting a fetish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you're uh, just because she looks a little like Bayonetta, you're like, oh, she's Bayonetta. I don't know who Bayonetta is. Oh, Bayonetta is... Um, she's a big, busty goth woman. She's, oh. yes. Uh, as, the internet, with her hair. as the internet would say, a uh, big titty goth GF. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Um, oh, Yuri. Um, yeah, Yuri. I... That's you know I didn't because that's the uh, word they use for lesbian Lesbians. manga, mm. um, which is why I didn't think that that's what her name would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Monica, who is an NPC that is not one of the romance options. So you have your best friend Sayori, uh, Natsuki, who is like uh, mean to you, and then Yuri, who is uh, the quiet bookish one. Um, and yes, they often make jokes about how Yuri is tall and has giant boobs. Um, that's... These characters are all familiar to me from having watched different, like, high school animes. From watching different pornographies. No, I don't like animated pornography. The concept makes me uncomfortable. Um, it's, like, it, it's all the standard tropes. I watched, um, Azumanga Daio is a 26-episode high school comedy, and it's, uh, I think it's an all-girls school, but it might just be that the classes are divided by gender, um... 
but it's just like a it's without the romance plot, all the same character types. So yeah, I mean they're they're anime archetypes, I think is the idea. Yes. More than they are anything. <laughs> yeah, they're exactly that, and specifically they're the kind that you find in uh romance uh date uh dating sim. And I mean the narrator interacts with them in the same way that male narrators in anime interact yes. with those tropes. Like it all it all fits. It's all it all yeah. makes sense. Uh and up to this point you still have very little chance to actually make any choices. Anytime the dialogue boxes stop, you have basically a choice to continue. Um, and occasionally you'll get a choice to say, like, two equivalent things. Um, and then the um, club leader, Monica, is, says, we're gonna do a poetry exercise tonight and come read our poetry. Tomorrow, the um, big club festival is in a week and we're trying to prepare for uh, that. So you, then you go home and you play a little mini game where you construct a poem by choosing different words from a list and this is the first time you get a little hint that things are weird because some of the words are like depression and suicide and hunger and things like that and like depending on what word you click one of the three girls you can romance has a little icon in the corner that like jumps around because they like that word and so, um, if you're like me, the first time you play uh, through, you try to avoid the sad words, and then the next time you're like, I want to see which of them it likes which sad words, so I'm going to click all of those. Um, and I think it's important to note that once you do this, you're also going to do it 40 other times. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's like three or four of these um, word-clicking poetry things and you click, like, 20 words in each of them. So, um, at some point, you it become, the game sort of makes it clear to you that this doesn't really matter, so you just click through as fast as possible. Um, it's... Uh, then we get to the next day, right? Yeah. Well, no, when you're, when you're picking the words for the poetry the first time, there's, like, one little little tiny inkling that something is wrong because I think the first time you play it suicide is an option yeah. but only in like and that's when you're like wait a second I understand like sad poetry but that's so incredibly specific yeah um, and then there's nothing else that's as sad or as intense as that word yeah uh, yeah, there's other, like, normal poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you're the next day, and you read your poems to each other, and you get... The game actually has a list of poems that it will randomly show you from the girls. There's, like, a couple different randomized elements to the game of, like, sometimes a weird thing could happen, but not every time. And um, can you just bring up a, like, summary of the game so that we don't get too lost? Yes. Well, I mean, that actually, is, I think, speaking, as you're doing that, that's speaking to something weird about the game where maybe this was just me. It felt like every day was almost exactly the same for the first hour. Like, it yeah. felt like you were just going through a cycle, which I thought was really exhausting and kind of was. But once it starts getting into you know, the big 
twist, all the reveals or whatever. Once it breaks the pattern, it beca- it's like a really stark break. Yeah, which and, is really effective. I'm not but, sure if shortening it would have helped. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Hindered. I'm not sure how effective it would have been to shorten it. But also, I was like, I knew that the game was going to get spooky and weird at some point. So going through uh, like a solid hour of stuff not being spooky and weird was pretty annoying. Yeah, especially because the. Oh, it's gonna sound weird, especially because the dating elements of the game were not particularly fun or interesting. Yeah, they're sort of intentionally boring, I would say. Which, fine, I guess. Like, I don't know how much I want to criticize the game, because I do think overall it's very good, but, like, it was a slog to get to the good stuff. So basically, as we're leading up to the good stuff, um, we read the poems every day, and then we can choose who, which girl we want to hang out with for the day for the remainder of the club after we've shared the poems. Uh, um, if you choose Natsuki, you go and read um, manga in the closet. If you choose Yuri, she shares with you her vampire novel she's reading. And if you choose Sayori... I don't know what happens. Yeah, I didn't choose Sayori at all. The first time. <laughs> wow. Which is a shame, because she's probably the most likable of the... I don't know if you can oh. hang out with... Oh, no. If you choose Sayori, you, like... Uh, I think you, like, fix her uniform, because she's bad at put it, like, you, like, retie her tie or something. It's like a little romance scene. Um, you're, I, I don't know what you're working on, but that's the, like, image it shows you. Like, it'll show you you sitting next to Natsuki reading Mango, or you mm-hmm. sitting next to Yuri reading the book, and then the other option is you see Sayori with her, like, tie messed up. I think it's important to note, too, that when you're reading the different girls' poems, their poems seem to fit the personality that they're presenting almost to a T. Um, except for Sayori's poems, which are usually about how she's trying to act happy and really there are dark things going on inside of her. Um, which I just want to shake the mouse. Yeah. Go ahead, you can keep going. Um, and then as you get closer to the school festival, which I think is really the... Is it the day before the festival or the day of the festival um, where we break apart and we finally see what kind of a game it is? Uh, you're, we never get to the festival. Right, so is it is it like the morning of, or is it the day before? I think it's the day before. Okay. Um, well, also, I guess it's a little notable Natsuki made cupcakes, um, because Sayori, like, promised, hey, I'm bringing my friend. Mm-hmm. So she made cupcakes for the new person. Um, so you can decide which girl you want to hang out with to prepare all of the final things for the... The sports fe- is it the sports festival? Even though we're bringing poetry to it, it's like the clubs festival or some stupid thing. Well, for the festival, yeah, it's it's just like a I think it's a seasonal festival. It's a meet and greet. Is it still recording? Yes, it's still recording. I just wanted to turn off the computer sleep function so that the computer won't fall asleep and um, stop recording. So as you get closer and closer to the festival, Sayori's poems get sadder and sadder, and finally you're met with a poem that is basically just over and over again the words, get out of my head, get out of my head, like begging someone to leave her alone. Um, and then then I think it's the day of the festival. Um, you go to walk with it, her to well, school. It's the day before, sorry, the day before the festival, you have the chance to hang out with one of the girls at their home. <laughs> and um, then 
Um, so you can hang out with them, and then you have one more meeting before the festival when you're discovering everything, or when you're discussing everything that has to do with the festival. Um, and Sayori doesn't show up, which is mysterious because she's the one who is so excited about getting you to join the club. Don't you, no, you have an encounter with. Oh no, this is sorry. This is the first encounter with Sayori. Um, I forgot. There's two times when you go to her room, mm-hmm. um, um, and then you grow concerned about her because you start texting her and she doesn't answer you. Um, and you go to her house and discover that she has hung herself. No, not yet. That's the day of the festival. You have a, an encounter with her where she explains that she's depressed, and then you have the chance to um, either confess your love for her or turn mm, her down. I totally forgot and about that. That happens the day before. Well, now and then I the next the day, surprise. regardless of what you say. <laughs> yeah. Well, you go You go, and um, I like the first encounter with her in her room because she, like, skips school or something, and you go in up into her house and to her room, and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then she answers the door, and she's like, hey, so sorry, I'm just having, like, a really bad brain day, and she explains her struggles, and, um, your character is very supportive, like, I can't understand what you're going through, but I'll be here to give you, like, whatever you need, um, and it's really, like, sweet and blunt and direct in a way that video games usually aren't about mental illness, which I liked a lot, um, it's, like, the, the game obviously gets more troubling later on, but this first sort of thing with her being, like, there's, like, nothing in my life that's happening to make this happen, and there's nothing you can really do to change it. You just have to, like, be my friend, and then your character is, like, yes, of course. Um, I think it's worth noting, though, that in the beginning of the game, too, during one of your first interactions with her, you complain about the fact that she sleeps in all the time, yeah. and that she's always running late, and it's later discovered that it's because she's depressed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she has, um, she's, like, just is sleep- sleeping too much because of that. Um, and then you, then you have, like, a final meeting, and you get to choose which girl to hang out with to, like, work on a festival project. You can go make cupcakes with Natsuki. I don't know what you do with Yuri, because I skipped that one. Uh, and then, um, when you go home, you, you can do something with Sayori, I don't remember. Uh, and then you go home and you have a talk with Sayori because you're neighbors uh, and she is like, I have a big crush on you and you can either be like, I think that would get in the way of our friendship or yes, let's be a couple. Uh, and then you wake up the next day and she's not waiting for you to walk to school with you and then you go to school and she's not there and then you go home to check on her and that's when you find that she has hung herself. Um, And then the game breaks. Breaks, yes. It Does it at this point show the little notification Sayori.chr has been deleted? Um, No, not yet. So what happens is it glitches and it automatically brings you back out to the opening screen um, and then it doesn't give you the chance to continue your game. You have to start a new game. Yeah. You start a new game and then it starts normally but every time you would see see her or her name would come up it's just a bunch of glitchy letters and then it glitches again and it says that she's been deleted yeah. and then you go back to the opening screen again and, and she's, she's not, not there. there yeah uh it's and then you start the same loop again and it's the same but 
Sayori's not there, and no one seems to know that she ever was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, Monica is the classmate that brings you to the literature club, and then you have the opportunity to have scenes with Natsuki or Yuri, and not Sayori. And Monica, I think, has some new dialogue here about how she wants to get closer with you, and like, be a good friend with you. Um, and then you go through this and um, you eventually are working on a project with Yuri and she pulls out a big knife and has crazy in her eyes and then you discover that the uh, dating sim anime archetype she is is Yandere, which is um, the crazy girl who likes you so much that she wants to kill you, which is not a thing that exists in real life generally. Obviously there are stalkers. I mean, if you watch Lifetime, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's the only kind of relationship <laughs> that exists. They portray this in anime as one of the four types of teen girl that exists. Yeah, and what's really jarring <laughs> here too is visually like you keep saying that her eyes get crazy but they're photorealistic oh yeah they're eyes. photographs of eyes at oh this point in many of the like uh scenes yeah it's uh so then she um stabs herself through the heart and you have to advance the screen <laughs> like 90 times because you are sitting there in shock for the entire weekend because this was on like a friday mm-hmm. evening you also barf do you? Oh yeah, I think you do barf. You barf a whole bunch, and then the game makes you sit through what probably is only like two minutes, but what feels like ten minutes. Yeah, you you um, can just click the fast forward button and it'll fast forward. But it for still it, takes. It shows it to you. Yeah, uh, and you slowly watch the you see blood her. darken as blood actually does, and you see her body go gray, and you see the sun go down and come up. So, like, the implication is that you're sitting there... Not implication, it's... You are sitting there for three days straight, staring at your friend rotting. And then um, Natsuki comes in and barfs and leaves. Um, And then Monica comes in and deletes Yuri and Natsuki. And she, if I recall correctly, is like, oh, oops, this wasn't supposed to work out this way. Sorry about that. Hang on. And then, like, walks away. Um, While all of this is going on, though, too, uh, the game starts glitching here and there in really suspicious ways. Like, you can't choose dialogue that's not looking positively at Monica. Yeah. Also, there's more and more hints. Natsuki doesn't have a, a sad ending like Yuri and Sayori do, um, but there's like more and more hints that her dad beats her and starves her. There is apparently some kind of disturbing ending where her neck snaps, but I think that you have to make a very specific string of choices to see it happen. We had that happen. Did we? I yeah. think that's one of the random jump scares. And then, Yeah, and then immediately she comes back. Yeah. So like it's just messing with you. Yeah. Um, at that point, as if it's not abundantly clear, that means that all three of the dating options have serious problems. Like, uh, Natsuki, as Jeff said, is abused. Uh, Sayori has depression and, uh, Yuri is self-harms. I mean, what's great about that, too, though, is that the game makes the narrative terrifying and also presents a lot of the physical things that are happening in the game happening in the game as though it's a glitch. Like, text is cut as if yeah. your screen is just freezing while it's switching between letters. Um, the screen goes black and white a lot. It's just, it's all presented like this is actually not something that's supposed to happen in the game, but that your computer isn't running the game correctly. Yeah. 
Oh, there's, um, before Yuri kills herself, you do, like, she leaves the room during, um, like a tense moment, and then you go follow her and discover that she's been cutting her wrists with the aforementioned big knife. <laughs> um, and then, um, Monica is like, oh, you aren't supposed to see that, and rewinds it, and you don't discover her doing that anymore the next time. Right. Um, and then the whole suicide scene happens. Um, there's a cool thing that occasionally happens where the text will glitch in such a way where it has like a thick outline and the thick outlined text is like the character's true feelings mm-hmm. um, where uh, Natsuki says like um, if my dad knew I had these mangas um, he would beat the shit out of me um, which is very like when that happened I was like oh jeez um, and, like, it usually skips over that line. Like, it shows you that line barely long enough for you to read it and then automatically skips to the next normal line. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does a couple of those, but that was the one that stood out most to me because not a lot of other weird things happen with her. Um, and also she's, like, the very reserved character who doesn't really talk about her home life. Um, so it was just, like, a, a weird thing because, like, it's also presented during a kind of normal thing where you're just reading her, like, magical girl mangas in the classroom. Um, and she's like, yeah, I keep these in the classroom because, um, my, uh, family doesn't like it. And then shows you that line. Um, there's also this thing where, depending on which characters you're trying to woo, uh, the other ones start having a lot of animosity towards them (laughs) in really strange little ways, as if the game is glitching. Yeah. Like, uh, implying that they know that, uh, you know, Natsuki's being abused or that, uh, Yuri is hurting herself. Oh, the other yeah. Like, mock one Natsuki another. Natsuki and Yuri get into issues. a big fight. And- Say something about her being starved. Like, the only reason that she likes you to buy her snacks is because her dad never buys her food at home. Yeah. Um, they also imply that that's why she's so little, is that she was mm-hmm. malnourished as she was growing up. Yeah, because the characters are. It, it, this is sort of another nod to um, uh, Eroge, which is short for erotic game. Uh, in Japanese, does a thing where when they borrow words from other languages, especially English, they'll chop them in half. So uh, McDonald's, instead of being transliterated into Japanese as very long, Makudanurudo is just Makudo. Um, and erotic game, instead of being transliterated the long way, is just eroge. Anyway, that's your brief Japanese language lesson for today from <laughs> someone who knows uh, the structure of the language and absolutely none of the grammar of okay. <laughs> uh, and that is... Uh, but anyway, that's uh, the reference they do is that all the characters, while not referenced as such in-game, are canonically 18 years old. Um, there's no erotic content in the game. But because it is playing with those tropes, um, I mean, they we do sort see, of lean into we it. We do see up a skirt, and we do get some like pretty intense cleavage shots. Also, erotic. Like it could be erotic depending on the kind of creepy stuff you're into. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, we're not into king shaming. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, so Monica enters, and she deletes the character files, and then the game automatically restarts again. And this time, the opening screen is just Monica. 
Yep. Um, it's uh, Monica with a K. Yeah, we also haven't yeah. talked a lot about Monica's personality. She seems incredibly nice. She writes music. Yeah, she's she constantly leaving to practice this song that she's really excited about. Uh, she seems really earnest and nice and very excited. She's a good leader of the club because <laughs> every time she enters, like, Natsuki and Yuri have a really intense, really personal fight at one point that we previously discussed. And when Monica enters, she diffuses it, like, immediately. immediately. Uh, it's really hard in some ways not to like Monica up until this point. But because of the way the game is structured, she's not a romance option. Yeah, there is absolutely no way to form any sort of personal relationship with Monica. Yeah, Which not even does it's not, not love. It's she not even not like that. You can't even get to like the A level and then the S plus is romance is just nothing. She There's exists, no option to make friends. Yeah. There's only an option to romance the three other She girls. exists specifically to move the plot forward yeah. and to have no hand in the character building itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we discover that Monica doesn't like this and she um, is in love with you, the player. And she specifies this when she says you. She means like, no, you playing the game, not you, the main yeah, character. Yeah, we're taken to a screen where she is sitting directly across from us. And she explains that it was painful for her to watch us, the player, not the character we're playing as, romance the other girls in the story. Yeah, she specifies like, I don't even know if this is your real name, the name that you entered. Whatever your actual name is, that's what I want to know. If you're playing on a Windows and I think Mac computer that has a login account, it will check the name on the login account and pull that name. And if it's different from your entered name, it will use that name and be like, not name you entered, but computer account name. Amazing. Um, which is... Really clever and spooky, but my login name is Jeff, and the name I entered is Jeff, so <laughs> I only discovered this afterwards. I mean, that's why it's always really funny to name your character... Butt-ass. <laughs> I was thinking, like, Zelda when you're playing Zelda. I like to do that in Link's Awakening, because it gives you alternate music. Really? Yeah. I think it does it in some of the other games. It might only be on, like, certain screens, but in Link's Awakening, I think the, um, the like, file selection screen has different music if you enter your name as Zelda. That's funny. Maybe like some when, other parts uh, of You're talking game. to Zelda in Ocarina of Time and she's like, what's your name? Zelda. Huh. Familiar somehow. Interesting name. Seems think, familiar somehow. I missed the era of games where you got to name yourself in the game. So, like, I played a Pokemon game for the first time ever, like, four years ago, and I named my first, like, 13 Pokemon Jesus because <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, Pokemon is really good about that because not only do you get to name your character, you also get to name your rival and all of your Pokemon. <laughs> your rival, Dix. Dix Oak. Um, I think I... I'm, play, I'm playing through Platinum, and that generation of Pokemon has a pretty good rival, because he's, like, a really eager go-getter, and he's not mean to you, but you hate him because he's, like, so positive, and he's always like, I'm gonna go win the Pokemon League. Ugh, I hate that. The only... Um, I really liked Gary from the original one, and then the kid who Three question marks. Is no, son. he's canonically Giovanni's son. Uh, really? Uh, the the there's a 
event Pokemon that you can get in Heart Gold and Soul Silver that lets you, it like activates that Celebi event in the shrine, and you travel back in time and witness Giovanni abandoning his son, and then you travel to like just before the events of Gold and Silver, and you fight Giovanni just as he's ready to come out of hiding, and that's why he doesn't come back. Because you murder him with your Pokemon. Because <laughs> he's like, you defeated me again, so I'm not going to come back to lead Team Rocket. Uh, I wish it was that easy to stop criminals if you could just beat them up and then they give up on crime. <laughs> Not even. If you could just, like, beat them in a dogfight and they <laughs> give up on crime. <laughs> if you could uh, just, like, make their turtle, make your turtle attack their cat until the cat is like, I'm done fighting. And then the person would be like, well, I give up crime for crime. <laughs> Is the Team Rocket in Gen 1 carries whips, and they don't use them on you, the player, or your Pokemon. Yeah, I guess I'm, they just use them to train their own Pokemon. I'm just saying, if I were to be a criminal in the Pokemon world, I would do a much better job. Yeah, probably. I Well, you know, I would join a Doomsday Cult if I was in the Pokemon world. That seems to always be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, they seem like they're having a good time. Anyway, what uh, next happens in the game? <laughs> we're almost to the so, end of it. So Monica sits at the table, and she explains to us that she... She knows what's going on, um, and she basically confesses her love, and then also explains that she tried, she amplified the worst part of the other characters' personalities by going into the files and altering them, which also explains the glitches. Um, and she did not do this out of malice towards them. She feels pretty guilty about it. Mm -hmm. She was just trying to turn you away from them so that you would be interested in her only. And then you're stuck in a loop in the game talking to her and she has like a like 37 phrases or something that she'll say at random which are like sort of random trivia facts um, until you go into your computer files and go into the game files and delete monica.chr and as you do this um, Monica starts to panic as she starts to be deleted from the world and eventually she pauses and she accepts it and she confesses that she still loves you and she's sorry for what she did and the game restarts, and we get back to the opening screen, and there is no Monica. Yeah, she um, She's restores the, the other characters and, and has let herself be deleted. So it's a happy ending, right? Sort of. Nope. There well, are, there is a happy ending. There are three True. possible endings. True. Oh, there's three. Yeah, I, I know I, of we two. only got one, so... Oh, there's one. Is the One of the possible endings is if you delete uh, any of the character files before you start the initial game. <laughs> Um, you get, like, a glitched-out ending. The other two endings, I think, are here. If you've seen all of the art that it is possible to see in the game, you get an ending where Sayori's the leader of the club, and she's like, thank you for doing a good job playing the game, and then the game ends. Because she says, like, we realized how much you cared for us, you wanted to, ex like... Well, she, she accepts the nature of her reality and expresses her gratitude to the player for making all the girls happy. Yeah. Because that's what she really wants. Yeah. Uh, and, but the bad ending, um, is that Sayori has become the leader of the literature club, and with this seems to come the same self-awareness and cruelty that Monica had, like, as if whoever is the leader of the literature club is an NPC and therefore has the meta-knowledge. Um, actually, during that ending, I'm sorry, I'm reading about it because I didn't Please. get that no, ending when played, um... So she panics and hijacks the controls and deletes all of the other character files, and then she forcibly closes the game, and the game opens again, and there's a, an image of her hanging herself with a screen that says, now everyone can be happy. That's the, um, if you didn't get, that's the sad ending? 
possible if her character is prematurely deleted, correct? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the ending that Chris and I got when we played it, um, I had totally forgotten about this. So basically, you can restart the game after Monica's been deleted from the directory, and you start over, and everyone is alive except for Monica. Um, Sayori says that she knows everything about the game and what Monica did and that she's going to do the same. And then Monica immediately intervenes and deletes her to save us, which is when we go to credits. Yeah, that's the, that's the ending, the, like, the default. The ending most people get. Um, and there's, like, yeah, the trick ending where you delete a character prematurely, and the good ending where you have seen all of the cutscenes, um, which is hard to do because you have to... There's times where you can't reset, um, like, correctly, and it's kind of annoying, um... Like, because to get all the scenes, you would have to reset and do different romance options at different times, but you can't always do them. Like, because sometimes you'll get to a glitch part, and it'll be like, now, if you exit the game at all, there's no save files or whatever. Um, And then, ultimately, if you get the sort of default ending that we got, you you find out that the song that Monica has been practicing is a song that she is going to sing to you. Okay, so this is my favorite part of the game. This was my favorite thing. This was probably my favorite metagame writing um, that I've come across ever. Um, so you suddenly, after playing a game w- that was devoid of um, voice actors, you hear a girl's voice, and she says something along the lines of like, Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I wrote and this it's song. So jarring. For you, yeah. And it's it's after the credits start rolling. You hit a black screen, so you're like, oh, the game is over. And then suddenly there's just a woman speaking to you. And it's the there's one song in the game and it's been playing over and over, and then we discover that Monica has written words to it. And it's a song called Is It My Reality? Or Your Reality. Your Reality. Uh, and this I think goes up in the like up up in the the annals of history with other game credit songs like uh, Still Alive. Um, it's like a really nice, catchy song that summarizes the game and also is very surprising that it happens at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean I love it when games do this personally. Yes. I think it's really, really good. But uh, I want to agree with Leah that it's particularly effective here, not only because it's surprising that there's a song in general, but that after playing this game for three hours with absolutely no voices... And interacting with the quote-unquote villainous character without hearing her voice. Yeah. It's just there. It, and it's so good. The game does a really good job of making Monica feel as if she's becoming more and more real as you play, which... Usually stories like this, even like movies and stuff, I don't think do a very good job of making um, making the characters seem like they can access our world. Uh, there's a classic Animal Man comic written by Grant Morrison in like the late 80s, I think, and that comic, because it was sort of like a really obscure hero, he was allowed to do whatever he want, and uh, Grant, Grant Morrison t- uh, took a lot of drugs in the 80s. <laughs> he was like in his 30s, and he had just written a very successful Batman comic that made him like a quarter of a million dollars because they got a like 
ton of pre-orders and he was getting a dollar per issue or something. It was like a thick format, like five or six dollar comic. Um, and so he spent that money traveling the world and doing a ton of drugs while he wrote comics. Living the dream. Uh, and one of the comics he wrote, Animal Man, uh, sort of gets into meta text and multiverse stuff. Um, like there's a whole issue where he encounters this like dying coyote and the coyote tells him his whole life story. Are you sure this isn't that episode of The Simpsons where Homer eats no. the chili? <laughs> yeah, it's that one. Yeah, you're right. I got it wrong. No, but it's like this like uh, grimly serious, wily coyote type of character and he explains his whole tragic backstory and then after, like, it's a whole single issue and then at the end of the issue Animal Man's like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> so he like didn't hear any of the story. Anyway, that gets, then there's an issue of that where he meets uh, the creator and the creator is uh, a writer of comic books named Grant Morrison. Um, and before, like, leading up to this, there's a page where he turns and looks at you, the reader, and it ends the issue with him saying, I can see you. Um, while looking directly at you, and it's like really effective. Pretty and good. the two most effective, I think, fourth wall breakings, uh, Doki Doki Literature Club is like really effective. Animal Man is really effective. I haven't seen many other stories that are very effective. Lots of stories try to do this, though. Uh, there's a Kurt Vonnegut book, Breakfast of Champions, where a character that he's been abusing for, you know, half a dozen novels. He just self-inserts himself into the novel, apologizes for making his life so, so hard, and then ends the book. And that's my, pretty good. My mom called me recently because she's been slowly slogging through the Dark Tower series for, oh, like, her... King's a character. Yeah, for literally her entire life. <laughs> yeah, I was um, gonna say, she hadn't read that before? She's, she just reads very slow. She owns all of them. Same. It's just... She, she called me, and she was so excited, and she was like, Leah, these characters have all just realized that they are in a Stephen King novel and they're on their way to his house. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I'll have to call you back. I'm so excited to see what happens. And I feel like her reaction was really indicative of how well he built up to it. Just yeah. where she was like, oh my god, I'm so excited that they're going to walk in and they're going to meet the person who's writing this story right now. I was thinking if they ever actually adapted those books to a movie that uh, Stephen King's son Joe Hill could play him because he looks 100%. exactly like him, but <laughs> it's 30 really years ago. Whenever I see him, I follow him on Instagram. He'll post a selfie and I'll be like, I can't tell who I'm looking at. Is this Stephen King 20 years ago? <laughs> It's uh, especially weird because the reason he goes by Joe Hill is so that he wouldn't um, profit off of his dad's name, but he looks just like his dad, and they work in the same genre. Um, okay, I want to bring it back to Doki Doki. Yes, I have sorry. A <laughs> yes. Do you guys like Monica? I feel bad for her. I do. I like the character both in a meta text way, in that I think it's a very effective. Um, villain in quotes uh, because you feel bad for her because it's not her fault that someone wrote this complex AI and that she feels alive <laughs> but like the things she does aren't great if the other characters are also alive mm -hmm. which the game heavily implies that Monica is no more or less complex than the other characters oh I read that differently I read that as she knew that they are less complex than her because they don't have this like awareness I think on the same level as I think her. they have awareness but their coding allows us to romance them I don't the think friends. I don't think they have 
meta text awareness. But they yeah, have like self-awareness. When Monica starts being crazy, yes. they're They like, have self-awareness, yeah. though. I think that the, all of the AIs are just as intelligent as each other, but being the NPC is a glitch that allows her to know she's in a game. Which would explain why don't. Sayori also, after she begun, begins running the club, figures out what's going on. Yeah. She explicitly says that because she's the leader of the club, she has access to this knowledge. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I like, it's usually I don't buy it when there's a story with artificial intelligence just because it's like, they act too much like people automatically. And the reason people act the way they do is because we spend a, literally an entire lifetime interacting with people. And an AI doesn't. So if we developed an artificial intelligence, it would only know interacting with computers, and it would be really dysfunctional. And that is how Monica behaves. She behaves in a really, like, in, in a really bizarre, in, impersonal way, which I I think is... I mean, I am skeptical that we could make intelligent computer programs in the first place, but if we did, I think that they would behave more like Monica and less like Dolores Abernathy. Well, Monica feels world. emotions, but she's not socialized. Yeah, exactly. So it's like she's acting on emotions using the coding that's been given to her. Yeah, she's I really think that makes her, that makes us, the players, feel like sad for her. Yeah, because she's been programmed with emotions, but she doesn't have have a chemical body like we do. The reason we feel emotions is because we're swimming with chemicals, not because our brains have been taught to feel them. And the way she behaves is because her brain has been taught to feel things and react in ways. And it makes her, like, very bizarre to interact with, and also a very, like, sad figure. Yeah, she's a really complex villain, because she's not a bad person, but she's doing bad things. She may not even be a person. Well, you know my feelings on that. Depending on the argument you want to make. It's, yeah, it's, um, so overall, uh, how do we feel about this game? Uh, it's got a few issues, but overall it's very good, and it's, its goodness overcomes the issues by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, all of the original ideas definitely override the pacing problems and the repetitiveness of some of it. Yeah, but it could have been improved. But the question question I think there is if the issue was that the pacing was bad or that they were trying really hard to figure out how to level the pacing with eventually breaking the fourth wall. Like, it might have just been difficult to figure out, like, how much normalcy do we have to introduce in order for this to actually affect the player? Yeah, Yeah, I would be interested to know if when they were designing it, if they got input on that. Like, if they tried it, if they tried to have the sort of early part happen faster and if that made it less effective. Yeah, it's also hard to judge when you already know all the twists, so... True. Requires a lot of playtesting. I... There's an interesting AR game with this game where the .chr files are not actually functioning game code, but they are actual files. Um, none of them are this proprietary .chr format. One of them is an audio file. One of them is an image file. Uh, I think another is a text file. It might be one that is an image file that um, has like a waveform on it or something. Something. But there are all these different files, and they all play little pieces of information or give you, like, pieces of information that some people have decoded to discover this 
these weird hints at this alternate story. And um, listeners of this show know that, and seeing Rabbit listeners know more, that I like to watch the uh, Game Theorists channel on YouTube. And the host there, Matt Pat, uh, his theory on this game was that the plot of the game is that these characters were developed for a different video game and then put into this project hastily, which is why they are robust AIs for a very limited choice uh, uh, visual novel. And that Doki Doki Literature Club is sort of just like a free game to promote this company's later game that is coming out at another time. And I don't know how much I buy that, but there is definitely something going on with those extra files that indicates a different and larger story. I think maybe it might just be unrelated pieces of another story. Like, there's uh, there's also the novel that um, Yuri reads, uh, something Markov. Uh, it's some, like, vampire novel about, like... Dracula. Yeah, it's, sorry, it's, it's some Dracula novel about these Draculas <laughs> that drac- indraculate everyone's blood. Um, it's, like... Some of the stuff that's found in the secret files seems to also line up with the little plot that we learn about Yuri's favorite book series. Um, but anyway, that is neither here nor there, I guess. Um, what's the spookiest part of this game for you, Chris? Um, I mean, the most unpleasant was watching uh, Sayori Decay. That really bugged me. Yuri Decay. Yuri Decay, excuse me. Uh, that really bugged me. Yeah. Uh, it's because it, it felt so helpless. Like, I was skipping through and I was like, why am I still skipping through this? It's so unpleasant to look at. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. And it makes it like, uh, it's very effective imagery, uh, mostly because it's upsetting. And that is the intended effect. How about you, Leah? So viscerally, like, the thing that scared me when I was playing the game was Eerie's eyes, because I don't like body horror, and that was, like, ugh. Um, that's the same as, like, that Snapchat filter where you used to be able to, like, face swap. I fucking hate those. It's so scary. I, I, everyone thinks it's funny, and it's not. It's horrifying. I mean, it's um, funny how much you hate it. I hate it so much. It just, like, skews me out. Um, on another level, though, when we finished the game, every time I got a pop-up of my computer for the next week, I was like, oh my god, I'm not done with the game, and I kept being like, do I need to delete the game? Is it going to take over my computer? Is it just going to pop up and I'm going to have to play something else scary? And I think that that was something... It's really effective that, horror. Yeah, that's something that I've never experienced with a game like that. And it wasn't even like when you watch a horror movie and you're like, there are ghosts in my house. It was like, well, I already know that they can go into files in my computer and read information. So how yeah. am I to know how far they'll go? Yeah, I, I some of that stuff is some of the stuff I've wanted to see in a horror game that hasn't happened where it actually like interacts with your system. Um, the uh, first Metal Gear Solid and its remake Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes on the GameCube read your memory card uh, at one point and a character in the game who is a mind reader will talk to you, the player, about the games you've been playing. Like, ah, I see you like to play Castlevania. Uh, if you have a Castlevania save file or if you're playing on the GameCube, you'll be like, oh, I see 
see that you're a fan of Super Mario. What was that Cthulhu game I played um, this winter? Eternal Darkness. Was it Eternal Darkness? Yes. I played Eternal Darkness yeah. this winter, and there's one... That's a, the other one I was Yeah, when... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. As Go you, ahead. As you start losing your mind, which is just a mechanic in that game, because Cthulhu, you know, your sanity levels, um, there's one portion of the game where the save screen pops up, like the box to hit save, and then as you hit it, it says erase entire game, <laughs> and it just started loading as if it was erasing the game, and I basically burst out crying. Um, I believed that that was a thing that was actually happening. It made me feel like I was losing my mind. <laughs> that game also will show, uh, like, on-screen TV, like, volume-lowering volume. <laughs> or channel-changing. Uh, and I, my, like, dream has been for there to be a, uh, a new Eternal Darkness or spiritual successor where they interact with games on your hard drive and stuff. <laughs> Like, imagine you're playing a game on the PlayStation 4, and uh, suddenly it switches to Netflix and starts showing you a movie. That would be very good. Or it switches like, to YouTube oh, and shows you a scary YouTube video. Exactly, that sort of thing. Or, like, it um, shows you, like, system UI, fake system UI to show you, like, messaging your friends, mm -hmm. and you're not doing it actually, but because the developers know what the system UI looks like, they can make it look like you are. Well, Eternal Darkness worked especially well for me because I played it on my tiny tube TV, yeah. so when it started to have the visuals that would have matched up at the time with what this TV's volume and, like, channel settings looked like, I thought it was actually happening. There was no way for me to know that it wasn't. Yeah, it's, um, that type of thing is really effective. And Doki Doki Literature Club does a good job of it, but uh, I think that my spookiest part is the tension and dread from the first time Sayori doesn't come to school um, up through... Like, that tension breaks when you go and meet her in her room and she's fine, and then it builds again to when she hangs herself, and I found that really, like, sad and upsetting, as, like, you were mentioning earlier uh, with the Yuri scene. It creates a very helpless feeling. Like, there was nothing you could do. The game was rigged against you, which you discover later it was. Um, it's a good game. Any final thoughts before we move on to plugs? No. Okay. Well, what about the, <laughs> should we talk about the title? Doki Doki Literature Club? I don't yeah. know what is Doki Doki? Uh, Doki Doki is the sound effect for a pounding heart in Japanese to indicate uh, that it is a romantic or exciting thing. It's used for both. Uh, so it could be, because this is romance, it's the romance context, but it's also sometimes used for uh, like the video game Doki Doki Panic, which is about um, romance. No, it's just like to be like it's an exciting adventure mm. um, but in horror I guess like when you watch a horror movie it, something that they use often is the sound of the beating heart oh in yeah the background. it's a, so I it, guess like a double entendre yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, it's usually translated just as heart pounding, mm -hmm. um, even though it's it's um, uh, an onomatopoeia. <laughs> um, also, real quick, have either of you guys ever played a, a dating sim before? Like, I, did you come in with I any background? I played some on like stupid.com yeah. when I was like seven. I played them in high school, not extensively, and not any of the especially horrific or erotic ones. <laughs> um, or combination there, though. Yeah. Well, there's one that past guests, uh, Tara Hanson keeps trying to get me to play that's written by the guy who wrote Madoka Magica which is probably my favorite anime. It's incredible. It's really, really good. Um, and it is... 
uh, very erotic and horrible. Uh, you wake Is up- it horrible because it is erotic? It's both. Okay. Um, you are a guy who gets, like, bonked in the head, and you wake up in the hospital, and everything looks like blood and guts and gore everywhere, except this girl, Saya. Oh, the game's called Song of Saya. Utano Saya. Um... And you slowly discover that the only that in reality everything is normal except Saya, who's horribly like disfigured and deformed, like she's a monster lady. And then uh, there's like parts of the game where um, she makes other people beautiful to you, which you know because of context that means that she's like cutting them up into bits. Um, and it's, uh, the reason I don't want to play this game is because I'm uncomfortable of the, uh, with the erotic nature of the game. Um, but I'm interested in it conceptually, at least. Uh, so I guess that'll be my rec- I've been doing some recommendations for this episode. That'll be my recommendation for this episode, is if you are into, uh, dating sims, hardcore gore, and <laughs> erotic video games, play Song of Saga. Also, please drive yourself directly to the nearest police station. <laughs> no, I'm not into any of those things, but keep in mind, a friend of mine recommended this to me. That friend is a murderer. <laughs> Go to John Wayne Gacy oh, recommended this game to you. She's a normal person with uh, <laughs> eclectic interests, just like any of us. Uh, where can the people reach you online to interact with your uh, media in the ways that you like or interact with you to say, hey, good job on the Doki Doki Literature Club episode, Chris? Uh, don't. No. Um, you can say All that. of your That's stuff is Private. Yeah, my stuff is private because I am a public school teacher, and I don't want my students to find me. Oh, okay. Yeah, then don't um, give out your social media handle. <laughs> like maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll listen to this episode if they Google you or something. Which is fine. I don't think I said anything terribly. I could uh, I could use an alias for you and go rename the old episode. No, no, I don't. Maybe like the captain on True Crime Garage. He's like a first grade teacher or something, so he's just called the captain. Uh, you can. Find Find me on Twitter at Count Veger. Oh, uh, that's I, the only thing that's not blocked. Oh, I thought it was. I don't think it is. It is. Mm. It's private. Is it? No, I don't know. Who knows? I um, I removed my name from my website because I'm going through the same uh thing where I'm about to become like a, a like public employee, and so I don't want anyone to be able to find these podcasts. It sounds like Jeff K or something. I just removed my name from my website, mm-hmm. and so you'd have to already know that I have a podcast and then uh, listen to it and hear my voice and hear me say I would just like to Jeff. say that if anyone at all looks up my name, they're going to find both of your things everywhere because I Google my name once a week and it's mostly me being in podcasts or me talking to people on Twitter, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, so, Leah, where can the people find you? You are actually an online person. So. Yeah, I'm an illustrator and an online personality. I'm just an illustrator. Um, you can find me, I guess, at my Instagram, which is at a tender witch, um, or at my website, which is leahpatterson.com. But if you're going to reach out to me or DM me, do so to tell me how great I am or to buy art, what is not your, to compliment me. What's your autumn um, commission project going to be if people want to do that? Do you in know yet? the autumn? Like, in the autumn. This is, probably, <laughs> this is probably coming out mid to late October. Okay. So your witch sonas might be done um, by now. I mean, I'm kind of doing witch sonas all year. Okay. I'm not sure what 
commission special I'll be doing when this episode comes out, but if you check out all of my social media, it'll be posted everywhere because I like to paint and I also like money, so... What about uh, Santa Persona for Santa? I tried that one year, and then I had, like, four of my Jewish friends ask for Jewish personas, and then I was like, I don't know enough about this, so... Jewsona? <laughs> I guess... Don't say that on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Say the whole word. <laughs> Jewish Sona. <laughs> I just, I have too many friends in different cultures for me to do any Yeah, Santa is a specific stuff. <laughs> Santa seems secular, but also was invented as yeah. a Christmas specific. Um, I usually, I do seasonal things. I'll probably just draw you as like a witch in building a snowman. Yom Kippur Sona. That's almost something. That's Good almost job. something. Mm. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, please remember that from now on, it's just Monica. Oh man, that was an hour long. Is that too long?